The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside with me for every single Friday NFL history episode, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Andrew Lenz. Andrew, happy Friday to you. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, much better than last Friday. As good. I- so I am doing much better. Got a sweet K bar for my mortgage company in the mail yesterday. Very nice. So for Veterans Day. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh happy, I would say, uh belated Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Thank Absolutely. you for your service. Absolutely. Very important. Very important. Um we do. We 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 thank you. It's uh you know, it, it never gets said enough. So, I mean, Andrew, you are a veteran yourself. So, uh, you know, thank you for your service. I don't, I don't think we have any other veterans on our show. I don't believe so, but, um, but regardless listeners, thank you. So, uh, you know, veteran listeners that are veterans, thank you so much for, uh, for, uh, you know, serving your country and, uh, making, making life as, as good as it can be for us. We know it is the ultimate sacrifice. So, um, but we do have some big news to talk about that actually broke earlier this afternoon from time of recording before we get into our NFL history stuff. So we had two pretty big signings uh, occur. First and foremost, earlier this afternoon, Cam Newton has re-signed with the Carolina Panthers. They signed him to a one-year deal worth up to $10 million dollars. Cam Newton expected to be the uh, the starter for the remainder of the season with Sam Darnold out four to six weeks. Um, that is the plan right now. He will not start on Sunday. He is uh, taking the the week, week and a half to get accustomed to the uh, Carolina Panthers' current offensive style under, uh, uh, under head coach Matt Rule. Obviously a lot different than uh, Ron Rivera's, but Cam Newton expected to be a starter again in the National Football League after signing with uh, – uh, with Carolina this afternoon. Uh, secondly, Odell Beckham Jr. has found a new home after being released this past week by the Cleveland Browns, mutually, of course. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has signed with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, it is a one-year deal. The I think it's a vet, on a vet minimum. I'm not entirely certain what the, uh, what the cost of this contract is. Cleveland has fronted most of the bill already through the reworked um, – through a, you know, a reworked contract situation. So, but OBJ, uh, I, I still don't get it, but OBJ is now a LA Ram. So just adding another weapon for, uh, for Matthew Stafford to toss to. So that was, uh, those, those are, were, blah, those were the big signings this, this, this afternoon, very surprising. 
Um, very shocking. The, the Cam Newton news kind of came out of nowhere. Wasn't expecting that one, especially after how they, uh, how the Cam and Panthers relationship ended. Wasn't good. It wasn't very good at all. And, uh, and OBJ, uh, the Rams were one of the content people that he had mentioned, but I was fully expecting Packers. If, if I can touch on this for a moment, it, it makes more sense to the Rams than it does to the Packers. Just not personnel wise, but personality wise. That was, yes, my I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, it's just weird though for me because OBJ is, you know, he's a big target guy, right? He loves, give me them, give me them targets. And the Sean Jackson granted he is up there in age just left because there was little to no room for him. So it's baffling. Uh, it's a little baffling to me, but, um, I mean, there's no excuses now for the Rams. Like they are all in on this year. There's like legitimately, if they don't walk away with a Super Bowl victory this year, there is no excuse. That is true. But we had this talk, or a little bit of talk. I did a discussion, you know, maybe a discussion is these bigger market teams, especially Los Angeles, you kind of got to, you kind of have to sign OBJ. Right. You're the Rams. You got to make splashes if you're in Los Angeles due to the fact that you have, uh, the Lakers, the Dodgers, uh, you know, actually kind of like two baseball teams in that way. But, I mean, the Angels are still a little bit off. But all the sports teams in that area, how do you stay on the front page? And by signing OBJ, that kind of leaps you over everything for now, for now. So Right. Yeah, there's another, you know, just big-time splash signing. Um it's just intriguing all around, all around. But, uh, you know, this could be uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. And, uh, you know, people who love and support him. Uh, this might be one of his last shots at winning a Super Bowl ring. So, uh, which is weird to say because only, he's only been in the league for like seven or eight years. But um, we know he's getting up there in age. The injuries have kind of mounted. And he's definitely not the same player that he was five, six years ago. So um, this 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 could potentially be. I'm sure it isn't. Um, but this squad right here is is a uh, has the potential of being something very special for OBJ. So, um, so good for him. You know, good for him getting that signing. Uh, it's a it's a great move for the Rams. I don't know where it leaves their wideers. I mean, Jesus, you just go four, you go four wide every single play. You know what I mean? Like you just just chuck it up there, Van Jefferson or OBJ or Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. One of them's bound to catch it, right? Yeah, I don't know somebody. Somebody so. I don't know. It is interesting, but uh, good for those gentlemen for uh, for finding a another home, an opportunity to play mm-hmm. the game that they love. But um, we are in the middle. This is our second episode of our uh, midseason trades month. All right, November that is the theme of November's NFL history episodes. Andrew gets first crack at it today with uh, with a with a player biography. I guess that's what we kind of call these things. Um, and he has selected Eric Dickerson, the great Eric Dickerson, who. Um, most notably played for the Rams and the, the, they were Indianapolis Colts at that time, the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> and, um, I was going to say, was it Baltimore? No, not quite. No, no, we were past that. So, um, so the Rams and the Colts and a, uh, Raiders and, and the Falcons, 
Raiders and Falcons as well. So, Andrew, what made you want to choose uh, Eric Dickerson for this for this month? And uh, what's your, some of your earliest impressions of Eric Dickerson? My earliest impressions of Eric Dickerson were with definitely the Colts. Never got to see him as a Ram, but the goggles. The goggles were always something cool as a kid. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wearing the goggles. And then you see Eric Dickerson wearing the goggles too, and it, it draws you to it. Another great goggle player that I don't think gets enough credit is Horace Grant, but that's in the NBA as well. But to see Eric Dickerson and to see him run was something awesome as a kid as well. And then to look back on his history of where he came from, even his path to the NFL is just absolutely astounding as you read more into him. But I really, I really liked Eric Dickerson. Unfortunately, I caught him kind of at the downslide of his career, like most running backs do. And so that's how I knew that he did play for the Raiders and the Falcons. And he was still that guy though. I don't know if you've ever noticed I still do it. I don't know if you do it every once in a while. There's a guy sometimes on the downslide of his career and he goes to another team and you're like, oh man, they got him. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, he's not as great as he was. Oh, I've seen it dozens of times. (laughs) Quarterbacks making moves, wide receivers, running backs, skill position players, basically. Um, Yeah. That they go somewhere they can possibly revitalize themselves and it just it just does not work out. But but right, I mean it's Eric Dickerson for Christ's sake. That name is a uh, is any we all know that the NFL is a is a name value place, right? Everybody loves name value, and when you hear about Eric Dickerson, you, you're thinking legend, bona fide Hall of Famer every single time, even at the tail end of his career. Yeah. But I remember when he went to the Raiders, I'm like, oh, man, the Raiders got him. That's going to be cool. And then he, we ended up going to the Falcons, and I was like, yeah, the Falcons got him. Oh, boy. And then all of a sudden, you just realize he wasn't the same Eric Dickerson as he was with the other teams. So, Right. Unfortunately, like I said, I got to see the downslide instead of the absolute prime of Eric Dickerson, which but I think in hindsight, which is cool, is that it made you want to go seek out. And I mean, now in this day and age with YouTube and all mm-hmm. that, made you want to go out and seek uh, the good stuff of Eric Dickerson and go see what he was really all about. I mean, it's it's not the same as living in that era and seeing it live as it unfolds, but uh, but still pretty remarkable at the same time. Goggles, though, man. Goggles. I like the goggle but- look. That That's what stood out to me when I first found out about Eric Dickerson. Um and it was, I always like him and like, for me, like there was a point in time where like him and Marshall Falk were like, wow, they have similar careers. They both played for the Colts and Rams. And it's not even close to to being that way. But, um, but I always thought it was neat that, it, you know, Marshall Falk is my, probably my favorite running back of all time. And, uh, you know, I always felt like they shared this, this, this connection in a way, even though it wasn't even close to being a connection, um, or distinction, but their their two prime teams were the Rams and the Colts. So, um, so that's that that's kind of how I found out about Eric Dickerson. My dad talked about him a lot, you know, when I was growing up, and and just how just in, incredible he was. He had the uh, he had the Jerry curls going back in yeah. the day, you know, which is a very popular <laughs> yeah. in the eighties. 
uh, the little he had that going for him in the specs, and he was just he looked great while he's running and um, absolute bona fide Hall of Famer. So great dude, great uh, great athlete, tremendous running back. There is a connection though between him and Marshall Falk, but I'll get into that later. Okay, cool. There's going to be some little tidbits later, as we always do. But yeah, Eric Dickerson. Um, I mean, just starting out with his career, like I said, he was a very highly touted athlete just coming out of just coming out of high school, which led to I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the Gold Trans Am that there was. Oh uh, wait. It- was that like a college, like a bribe thing? Yes. Was that SMU? It was, it, it, they're not sure if it was SMU, but they're thinking it was Texas A&M that did that. Cause he was supposed to go to Texas A&M and then he decommitted and then decided to go to SMU. Oh, and the Trans Am was supposedly in air quotes purchased by his grandmother. Yes, I we did a thing on this in college. Actually, we we did a whole thing on SMU, and this was brought up. They they showed like new stuff of him with the gold the gold Trans Am. This is a big deal. This is huge. It got SMU football pretty much shut shut down for a long time. Um, I don't know like it was if it was a full shutdown or they couldn't play any bowl games or something like that. But it was a huge controversy back in the uh, back in the late seventies, early eighties. It's a 30 for 30 Pody. That's Pody right. Yes. Pody that's, that's what it was. Yep. First, first and only college football team to receive the death penalty. Right. Is SMU. And it was all pretty much surrounded by Eric Dickerson and uh, Craig James. And then there is that funny story that uh, a lot of people, or there's the joke that says that Eric Dickerson had to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that one. I've never heard that one. That is that's a pretty good line though. Yeah. So uh after his amazing career at SMU, he gets drafted by the Los Angeles Rams in the fame 1983 draft, first round, second pick overall. And he goes on to the Rams and he makes a statement just his first year in the NFL running for 1,800 yards. Well, over 1,800 yards and 18 touchdowns, which is pretty crazy for for a rookie running back at that point just to be able to. And are they in the 14-game season? No, this is 16. They're at 16 then? Okay. Because it's the next season where we could get into a little bit of what's going on here because that's when he breaks OJ's single season rushing record by rushing for one or sorry for 2,105 yards and four touchdowns. Right. He was probably one of the last running backs. Also, as you could see by these numbers, that was the center point of, of that offense. One of those last guys, he's kind of a dying breed before we even know it, where we can get by on a quarterback, you know, on a, a, we could get by with just, you know, a decent quarterback and we're just going to run the ball. We're right. going to let, we're going to let Eric, we're going to let Eric be Eric where in today's NFL, it's, 
completely different. Yes. And, and I have a reference point for that stat as well. So, um, so what Andrew's referring to is usage. Okay. Um, so throughout like Eric Dickerson's career, 390 rushes, 379 rushes. That's 83 and 84, 292 in 1985, 404 rushes in 1986, uh, 283 and 87. Uh, his last really high year was uh, 388 in 1988. Now you compare that to a guy who's a um, gets a lot of touches on the ball uh, in Derrick Henry. All right, he's they're they're relative. They're kind of close, but not really at the same time. Like 2020, Derrick Henry had 378 touches. Okay. Um, 2019 at 303, 2021, Derrick Henry through eight games had 219. So he was probably what set for over 400 yards rushing or 400 rushing attempts, but that's the usage. You don't get that out of running backs these days. They're, um, they're, you like to protect the run in a weird way. You kind of like to protect the running back. Um, a bit and of course too a, a number that really jumbles all that stuff up is is receiving too got a lot of a re- lot more receiving type running backs nowadays we're back in eric dickerson's day it wasn't all that common you got the ball and you took off and you ran with it and whatever happened happened not there's very seldom uh prominent pass catchers around that time pass catching running backs at that time you can almost say dickers what dickerson did in 84 and what burrito did in 84 were pretty Pretty amazing stats for almost changing of the guard where Marino became that guy that the Dolphins were like, we're going to ride the quarterback. And then the last of the dying, you know, old school, because that's what Walter Payton was too. Right. We're going to, we're going to ride that horse until it's dead. Earl Campbell is another great example. So this is, and those are all, late 70s to mid 70s when they came into league but as you're putting up the numbers that that he's putting up you get into this what we would definitely call now where you would want quarterback money and that term has been thrown around from different position players i remember when aaron donald was looking to resign he was almost looking for that quarterback type money as well absolutely i'm i'm the star i'm the guy i'm you know i'm the engine that's driving this and i'm going to be compensated for it another thing when he did end up breaking that the single season rushing record he got he got a cake that's all they did for him they bought him a carrot cake and he's actually allergic. He was actually allergic to, I forgot what, what are the ingredients in oh, the cake. Jesus. So he could even eat his own cake that he got for breaking that rushing record. <laughs> I'm trying to look up. I want to see uh, Eric Dickerson's earnings. It's, uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm not, I, no, not net worth. What do you usually use for, for the earnings stuff? I am curious. Uh, I just kind of, I was just kind of like looking at. Oh, I just seen his, his, his record breaking contract. That was what, yeah. Cause that's what the Rams. 
Yeah. Because at that point he was okay. At that point he was making uh, $682,000 a year. He wanted, he wanted to be like a million dollars. Right. Which is fair. And honestly, that's, we're still not even completely there for quarterbacks yet. Like, you know what I mean? In 1991, I seen a, a little clipping three quarters of the NFL starting quarterbacks were making under a million dollars a year. So, um, so for him to get this as a running back and we all know that in the right system, a running back can be, you know, you don't have to pay running backs necessarily. Uh, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. This, this contract $1.4 million a year with a uh, $341,000 signing bonus. Because mm-hmm. I believe Kelly, Kelly in 86 signed the highest contract right before in eight, right before Dickerson got traded in 87, which was uh, worth about $1.5 million a year. And he made at least $200,000 more than, uh, than Joe Montana. So Kelly was getting paid. Right. Even more than Joe Montana. So Joe, I'm guessing Joe Montana and Tom Brady have a lot more in common than Super Bowl wins by not always being the kind of the highest paid guy there too. <laughs> but this is where he's kind of, he's, he's angry, which in a way, we we've talked about that you 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 stand up for this hugely. You are, I think you're one of the greatest cross bearers I've seen for this, and hear so passionately talk about it that if a guy is producing and he wants to get paid, you should pay him. Am I correct on that? That you are huge on that because yes. we've talked about yes, it and that's what he wanted. I'm your focal point. I want to make the money. I want over a million dollars and there's a lot of disputes over everything. So enter in and it sounds so funny to say this at this point, but enter in the lonely Indianapolis Colts kind of into this whole story that they just moved to Indianapolis in was that 84 four was their first season. Yeah. Four was their first season. So they're in Indianapolis and mentioned by, by one of our listeners and it works and it's 100% true for the story is you're in Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana in itself. is a basketball state. It's one of probably the few States where, yeah, especially at this point, I'm pretty sure it's changed. Now you've been there. It's probably a little bit more cult centric. I would, I would definitely, I would definitely say they're they're very well behind their Colts. I mean, the Pacers are pretty prominent there too, but um, but yeah, and of course racing. But I, I would definitely yeah. say the big one is 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 Colts football right now. Well, this is when Colts football, you know, because you're a big history fan yourself, is not so great. There's no uh, star player, nobody to hang their hat on as we've talked about before. So their GM at the time, Jim Ursay, I believe he's about 28 years old, says, I'm going to make this deal. And the Colts also are in contract battles with, a, with Cornelius Bennett, who they drafted in 87. And Cornelius, Be- Cornelius Bennett wanted 
Brian Bosworth money. And for people that know who Brian Bosworth is, you might be chuckling right now. That Biggest draft bust in NFL history. Uh, he's up there. I love the Boz. I know you I do. Love, Good I love, per- he's, fun personality, I think. But uh, but yeah, Boz money is that's that's crazy. Did you know what he signed a contract for with Seattle? No. He was he signed a contract uh for 10 years that was worth 11 million dollars so the guy was making 1.1 million dollars a year oh dear jesus and eric dickerson he had hey man he had to afford his uh his helicopter ride into the stadium when he debuted he made all that money off of those boz t-shirts those i hate boz t-shirts or whatever at denver that he was selling that's right that's why people laugh at me when I was like, Boz was almost like the Dion before Dion, the way that he marketed himself. <laughs> and like, oh, well, Boz came along in 87, Dion's 89. So, yeah, the only thing, yeah, the difference was that Dion could back it up. Boz could not. Yeah, talent. So they end up trading. They get another partner in here and all this with the Buffalo Bills. So together, the Rams traded away Eric Dickerson and what they got was this is a combined from the bills and from the Colts. They received running back Greg Bell from the bills, running back Owen Gill from the Colts and a number one pick in 1988 from the bills, number one pick from the Colts in 1988, number two pick from the Colts in 1988 Number one pick from the Bills in 1989. Number two pick from the Colts in 1989. And another number two pick from Buffalo in 1989. And like I said, the Colts get Eric Dickerson. And the Bills got the draft right to Cornelius Bennett. So huge trade. It's one of the biggest trades ever in NFL history right here. Yeah. And he goes on to Indianapolis and Indianapolis does very well. They're making the playoffs. He gets reunited with his former SMU head coach in Ron Meyer. Yeah, I think I think the Colts won their first playoff game that year because of him. Um, yes. It was a pretty it was- good it was a pretty good it was a pretty good matchup. It was a pretty good, uh, very, very good trade for the Colts at that time. Yes. And Eric Dickerson got his money with a four year contract worth $5.6 million. And do it. put the Colts on, on the map, 1987, the Colts are winning their first, you know, AFC, AFC East division title since, Geez, the 70s, I believe since 75, I would have to say. The good old Burt Jones to Roger Carr years. Was it 75? I think it was 77 was their last. I think 77 was the year. That was the ghost of the post year. Was that the? So, yeah, it was seven. Okay, then it was 77. Yep, 77. They were okay. 10. Much so he, he goes on and he has some pretty good you know years with the colts um racking up over a thousand yards in in 88 
doing it at 89 and then 90. What's the dreaded number for ivory running back when it comes to age? Uh, 30. Yes, he hits 30, and that's when the numbers decline with the Colts. He hangs on until 91, gets traded to the Raiders. 93 gets traded to the Falcons, and then the Falcons trade him to the Packers. He fails a physical, and he just decides to retire. So that is Eric Dickerson in a nutshell with this trade that really I would have to say looking at the other end of it worked out very good in the short term the Colts definitely win in the long term the Bills definitely won this one by getting Cornelius Bennett who was probably next to Bruce Smith they're one of the most important pieces you could argue on those 90 Bills defenses yeah no for sure I I, I remember I like I had a I seen a Cornelius Bennett card. I believe it, it was. I believe it was a Colts one. At least I thought so. And then to hear that he was a Buffalo. I mean, you remember he was part of those big, big time '90s Bills fan, uh, Bills teams. That's uh, it, it's that's pretty crazy. So I didn't know this though. I don't know if you have this in like a little trivia fact thing. Dickerson signed a one day contract in 2017. Did you know that? Was it with the Rams? Yes, we can retire as a member of the Rams. Yeah, I knew. I I I. But knew usually, that. usually players do that after retirement, though. I I'm I'm confused because right, he's in the Hall of Fame at that point already, right? Yes, it's. But, I would imagine, right? It, it seems it feels like a very strange gesture. When did he? He went out in ninety ninety. Uh, let's see. I think it was a gesture of coming sell, back to sell tickets because the Rams were debuting in LA that year. That too, in a way to come back. And there was probably still some tension a little bit, right, between them. And then it would probably be better to to retire as a Los Angeles Ram, maybe, than a St. Louis Ram. That's yeah, that's fair. Those, those it are just, just seems my, fishy. But it's like a, you said, it's Stan Kroenke. <laughs> I mean, heck, we're still waiting for Philip Rivers to sign his one-day contract. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm surprised that the Rams haven't really extended. Well, they probably think he might come back. So yeah. they haven't really extended him one. Or uh, the Chargers, excuse me. But, yeah, they probably should. But, all right, so that's his career in a nutshell. Let's go through some statistics. Mm-hmm. All right, I just had it up. Okay, here we go. So his uh, statistics are as follows. His best year rushing was in 1984, 2,105 yards, which is a, that's like going platinum if you're a music, like if you're a music group, that's like, that's, you sell an album, that's that's the equivalent of going platinum as a running back. 2,105 yards, 14 touchdowns, and uh, he was averaging 131 yards per Per game. So 1984, by far his best year. That was his second year in the National Football League. But um, he only he had very few years under. It's honestly from 1990 to 93 were his only years under 1,000 yards, which is uh, pretty remarkable um, to go that long to play 
Jesus, 10 years, and you're still consistently over 1,000 yards every single year? That's, it was nine. It was nine. Um, Or no, it was eight. He had two two down years in Indianapolis. That's that's what happened, but um, but still pretty remarkable. Uh, all the same, his best year in Indianapolis was the nineteen eighty eight season. That was his first full season there. One thousand six hundred and fifty nine rushing yards, fourteen touchdowns, averaging one hundred three point seven yards uh, per game. So, and then it just kind of fell off after that. He is in the Hall of Fame. He is a six time Pro Bowler. Going in, well, it doesn't specify. Pardon me. And let's see what other accomplishments and stuff that he has going for him. All right, 1983 NFL AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, 1986 NFL Associated Press AP Offensive Player of the Year, first team All Pro 1980s, second team. Um, football Hall of Fame first team All 1980s. Pro Football Reference second team all 1980s. Interesting. 1983 all rookie team and NFL 100 all time team. Um, you know MVPs. They they have his like share of like the voting and stuff, which is pretty kind of neat actually. Um, he he went to the Pro Bowl in 83, 84, 86, 87, 88, and 89. He was first team all pro in 83, 84, 86, 87, and 88. He had five players of the week nominations uh, in 1988, week eight, in 1987, week 16, in 1986, week five. And he had two in 1984, week 15 and week 10. He was also player of the month twice, 1988, uh, December, and October of 1986. So, um, so yeah, 96 career touchdowns, 100 excuse me, 576 points scored over his career. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot more, always a lot more stats and stuff that you can find. But um, but yeah, that's uh that is we love using that nutshell word, don't we? <laughs> so, but but yeah, that that's uh that's 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 Eric Dickerson from a stat standpoint. Yes, very. Um, I think the two that are pretty awesome. I don't know in my mind is the 1980s All Decade Team and the 19 and the just making the NFL 100 anniversary team is pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely, absolutely well deserved though. Absolutely well deserved. So, my connection that yes. I was about between him and Marshall Falk is he's kind of. This is what I've heard. This is what I heard. I don't know if it's just Eric telling a story, but he kind of helped orchestrate that trade in a way. Really? Because he was, um, you know, Colts, Rams, you know, players hang around, especially if you're a name like that. Yeah. And he was with the Colts, and he heard about, you know, Marshall Falk. There's a lot of contract disputes similar to Eric Dickerson in this. And then he knew, but the Rams needed some help and kind of went to the Rams and was like, listen, you might, you might be able to get this guy, right? (laughs) There's some trouble going over there. You might be able to get this guy and bring him in. So kind of an, an earworm he laid down 
to the Rams, some insider information mm. about what's going on that they were possibly, you know, looking to trade Marshall Falk. Martha Stewart to, over here. Yeah. Just to get the, just to kind of get that ball rolling. Maybe he, maybe the running back club, you could say, is a little bit more tighter than what you are to your team sometimes. Right. Or knowing that what he was going through and what Marshall were going through in a similar situation. Because that today, in my mind, to this day, I know Edgerton James, they drafted Edgerton James, worked out wonderful for them. But in my mind, that was like one of the most baffling trades ever. Yeah, when when you look retrospectively, I think it was just because of contract stuff for money. And Bill Polian has never been one. Oh, okay. Very rarely. He, he's, he's seen a lot of the NFL at that point in time. And he big Bill Polian's theory was to never, um, never sign a running back past their second contract because they were at, I mean, honestly, if you look at it in retrospect, it's kind of, it's obviously smart. You came in, you got a future hall of famer, Edron James, off of a rookie deal at that time, instead of going in and paying a huge chunk of salary cap on Marshall Falk. Granted, hindsight, it stinks, but it's one of those, uh, I think it's a what if I'd like to explore maybe at some point as well. You know, if that trade doesn't happen, we don't get the greatest show on turf. We don't get Kurt Warner. Um, We may probably don't get a Rams Super Bowl. Like that's, it's that serious. So, uh, hmm. So, um, so it's 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 definitely one of those things. I mean, look at how many talented running backs get, get paid big nowadays, um, right? Todd Gurley got paid, and he can't find a team. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's really close to being that guy. Yes, I don't even know what Saquon's going to be. I mean, what Saquon's asking price going to be after you know after two two major injuries in his career. He has to have a really good second half of the season this year. If he wants to, uh, you know, if he wants to get a decent running back contract, but already labeled injury prone. So I do understand it in that context. Um, and Marshall Falk still had a lot to give, but man, it, it was, it was, it was smart. It was smart, especially with how the, the growing pains of that Pete Manning era too. It took him a few years to really get going. And he would have been spending a lot of money on a running back, and yeah, you know what I mean. He's not doing. He, he's not really changing the culture there. There's still a lot of other pieces. So, but that is cool that they helped orchestrate it. So I knew there was a connection there somehow. But yeah, I've always identified the two uh, very closely. Kind of, kind of one of those things. So we talked about a little bit of this off recording, but I'm going to ask you uh, as as we got into this whole Eric Dickerson trade, do you think because of what the Eric Dickerson trade did for the Colts, do you think it kind of pushed Jim Ursay into, yeah, you know where I'm going with this one, and then yeah. to making the trade for Trent Richardson? Mm. Do you think he was like, well, maybe, you know, him and his lifting buddy, Ryan, Grigson over there, you know. I know they one. needed a running back. It's an interesting theory, and it certainly could have come into play. Um, 
it certainly could have come into play, but when you really think about it, they it was definitely a Grigson move. I don't know how much say that Ursay had in in that call, but um, but they knew they wanted to get him a running back. They knew they wanted to get Andrew Luck a running back to help protect, and he was just it, it probably I, I would imagine it did play some influence because Jim Ursay is a very historical guy, and if he had any, I imagine he had some say in that deal, whether it was good, whether it was bad. He's obviously a football mind. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I played a little bit into that. What do you think? In my eyes, yes. Because, you know, that was a, I'm not saying the Colts needed a spark or a name, kind of like what they needed for Eric Dickerson here. But maybe they just needed that one little thing and was like, hey, we did do this Eric Dickerson trade and trade for a running back. And this guy's relative, this, he's, he was younger than what Eric was when they traded for him. You know, what was he, second year in the league? Second, third, yeah, second, right? Second or the third year in the league, and they pulled the trigger on it. Yes. And you're probably thinking at that point, we got these two, and imagine how good we would have done with Eric Dickerson if we actually had a quarterback. Right. With them, so now we got this running back that everybody's raving about. You know, everybody, a lot of people call him a can't miss prospect, but once again, that's all hearsay. As we know that the combine and drafts are not a perfect science, and if I could get him with Andrew Luck, who is another can't miss prospect, we can go on and we could be in Super Bowls for years. And T.Y. was relatively young at that point, too. Yeah, T.Y., we didn't even know. Colts fans didn't even know what they had with T.Y. at that point. So I think that led into it, making a splash. Yeah, you're what? You're you're two years removed from Peyton. I know you as a Colts fan, you were probably sold on Andrew Luck yourself. I mean, how could you not be? How could you (laughs) not be? He was that good. But there's I, always I like I like Andrew Luck more than I like Peyton Manning. Okay, but the, there's always still that hardcore fan though too that you, and you're trying to you might be trying to win over everybody. I guarantee you, you go to a Patriots game, there is still some guy hanging out in the parking parking lot wearing some Drew Bledsoe jersey, snickered off of what Sam Adams or something like that. <laughs> and that Bledsoe is the is the greatest quarterback ever. And, Tom Brady's just okay. Right. So I think that's one of those things is that there was a little bit of a Peyton hangover. How do you do it? By saying, here's our two new stars. And it just kind of was like, well, don't worry about that running back we traded for. Here's our star, Andrew Luck. And I think that's that's what they were trying to sell to fans. Yeah, they're really good at the selling part. That's for sure. Colts really know how to sell hope year in and year out. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, but I think that's it on this episode. It's a nice little spotlight on the Eric Dickerson. Next week, our uh, our next subject matter for our midseason trades. We're gonna take a look at Carson Palmer, quarterback Carson Palmer, formerly the Bengals, um, and the rate and being traded to the Raiders in the middle of the season. Um and uh, and what stemmed from that. So we're going to do a little Carson episode. Uh, Carson, I almost said Wentz, a Carson Palmer 
themed episode uh, next week for you. And then uh, I think our last one is John Hadle. I believe we've already mentioned that before. So John Hadle will be our last one for the month of November. That'll come out Black Friday, I think. Ooh. Yes. So, um, so there is that. But thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate your support as always. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good. Yeah, spot. <laughs>